0: Good morning, welcome to Resource Center, the show where we discuss the tools and techniques you need to be at the forefront of the ever-evolving world of business. This is Audrey Raj. On the show today, we're going to be strategizing for 2022, for when third-party cookies disappear and browsers are effectively cookie-less. Now, brands and marketers have already started preparing for this cookie-less world, and this is why we've been hearing new buzzwords, uh, like the one that we're going to be discussing today, zero-party data. Data. What is it and why do we need to know? Well, this is where Dan comes to the rescue. Joining me on the show today is Daniel Henriksen, Head of Outcome Media Planning for Zaxis Asia. Dan here has authored a white paper on first-party data and he's going to be sharing his wealth of knowledge on both first-party and zero-party data with us today. Dan, how are we doing today?
1: Very good, Audrey. Thanks for having me.
0: So maybe we can start off with some background on why we're going cookieless next year in the first place and what that effectively means for brands and marketers, Then.
1: Yeah, it means. I mean, there's. Uh, it means that the way that we can connect with as brands, customers, and consumers uh, across digital media and across media ecosystem is changing. Um, and of course, as a result of the data that we can use to really uh, reach our uh, customers and consumers, um, so that's really the major change. And and uh, uh, third-party cookies have been a means of identifying and connecting with consumers and customers. And of course, with the changes that we're experiencing. Uh, today about data privacy, as well as uh, different uh, data regulation uh, around the world, uh, it's really now to figure out how can we build uh, a sustainable way of uh, connecting with consumers and customers and deliver the value and the services and the products and the communication that they value uh, for us as brands and for us as businesses. Um, so that's that's really, uh, I think, why we're also talking about data today and what data, data can do to to continuously help uh, marketers and business to connect with their uh, consumers and customers.
0: So this is why I guess everyone needs to get on board with with first-party data and zero-party data. Can you define these terms for us, to, you know, to help us understand these better you know, before we can start comparing uh, uh, which would be more suited for, for specific brands?
1: Of course. Um, and I think um, it's really, um, I still um, kind of, consider them uh, as one data asset in terms of zero-party data is really what um, consumers and customers intentionally share uh, and proactively shares with a brand, meaning uh, what are our preferences? Do we have any purchase intentions? What is the personal context around us as consumers and customers? And really, how do we want to be seen and want the brands to recognize us? That's kind of uh, how I define zero-party data, whereas first-party data in comparison is more around uh, data that's collected uh, directly from a brand's uh, audience or customers across a variety of touch points and interactions that they would have uh, with customers um, in terms of c- considering zero-party data uh, is still a subset of first party data it's just uh, the difference is whether it was proactively shared or whether it's something that's compliantly collected by the brand or the business of their customers and of their consumers uh, based on the consent that we would have given uh, in terms of um, in terms of the data sharing
0: all right. And so how would um, consumers be sharing their zero-party data with brands? How, how would that collection process look like?
1: Yes. I mean, there's there's a variety of ways of which I think we're all sharing that level of data and, that, and those preferences with uh, different touch points we have with businesses and companies. Now, of course, it's accelerated because uh, of e-commerce and our digital interactions with brands. But if we think about when we used to go to a store or the local grocery store and we would tell Uh, the owner about our preferences and what we were looking for, they were, of course, able to store that. And today, now that's accelerated through the use of social commerce, e-commerce, and of course, us engaging with with brands and consumers digitally, um, which really gives them uh, that opportunity for getting that value exchange by collecting data and understanding their customers and consumers. And really, it's it's something that has been happening uh, for many years and decades, providing that convenience and exchange of our contact information, if we're talking about Newsletters or, uh, uh, or or emailers that we've been receiving for brands around our preferences, and when we're sharing our contact information, we of course share what we're interested in, um, and also what type of communication or services and products or promotion we're interested in, and the brands and the businesses can use that to kind of connect with us and giving us relevant value and services. Um, and it could also be, uh, I mean, encouraging people um, to download their mobile app because there's some exclusivity around the app offers services and especially in Southeast Asia like a lot of the what we call super apps of course have a lot of different services both in terms of transport communication and financial services where we're also giving our preferences uh, and also I mean travel is another great example we want them to know like where in the plane do we prefer to be seated? What is our most common departure airport? And all these things that make the interaction easier and for easier for the brands and the businesses to customize services and products and promotion to us um, so that there is that value exchange, which we get in return from sharing our data. Um, so there are many ways, and I think many businesses are doing uh, a wonderful job of that already. And now, of course, I think the importance is increasing. Uh, in terms of uh, connecting with consumers and customers.
0: Okay, so maybe we can go down the list of pros and cons for both first-party data and zero-party data, just to compare them side by side.
1: Yeah, I I mean, I think it would be kind of challenging to compare them because I think they're complementary of each other. Mm. So I think as a brand and as a company, I think, we're interested in having a, a like a broad data strategy that aligns with our consumer and our marketing strategy. And for that, there's, of course, uh, the role of the business is figuring out with a purpose driven perspective, what are the touch points I have with my consumers and customers? Where can I collect data compliantly that would add additional value to uh, the communication and to the marketing and to the services that I provide to them? And what are some of the touch points where I can ask or give them opportunity to share how they want to be seen what their preferences are and of course naturally build that into the way that they connect with the business or they connect with the brand one, right. one, one example of that is streaming for an example um, in terms of using any streaming service i mean the over time it learns about our interest in our behaviors and what type of content we're interested in but we're also able to go in and say well you know what i'm actually very interested in comedy. Uh, And of course, that would then give them that advantage of already knowing it without having to infer certain things about our behaviors. So when you look at a data strategy, I think it's really about looking at all your touch points digitally and also uh, offline, and then figure out where can you collect data that would allow you to give that value exchange back to the customer and the consumer. And then also, how do you build uh, potentially digital platforms and ecosystems that will encourage and also motivate and build trust with consumers and customers. That would then uh, give them opportunity to share their preferences and their intents, um, which is of course kind of um, uh, one of the most compliant ways of collecting data. Because if we have enough trust with the brand to want them to know and understand who we are, that's of course also very valuable uh, to a business uh, in terms of connecting with customers.
0: Right. So trust is the key word. Now, trust. Yes. Now, I understand that brands uh, that aren't too familiar with zero-party data, they may be approaching it similarly to the way they would approach first-party data. Is there anything wrong with that? Is that encouraged?
1: No, not necessarily. I don't think there's anything wrong with it. I think we want to encourage them to get started on defining their data strategy. And I think giving it a name is, of course, great to classify things, but I really just think about how do we use data to to build better services, to build better products, and to connect with consumers and customers in the best way? And zero party data as well as first party data uh, can be a means of doing so. Uh, and back to our to to the earlier point, it's really just figuring out what are the best touch points where you can uh, leverage the value of each of these data assets, and then just look at your kind of overall data strategy, um, which needs to align with, of course, your brand and what type of company you are, because I also appreciate that not every type of industry have the same direct access to customers, meaning mm. e-commerce and CPG or FMCG are in different states. And they, of course, need to design data strategies that are can accommodate them and where they are and their main challenge uh, channels of sales and commerce. Um, so also, as a brand, I would always take outset in who we are, what we offer, our services, and then figure out, What is our touch points with our customers directly and indirectly? And then how can we encourage and build that value exchange that will allow them to share data? And we will use that data to deliver better value and deliver better services and products.
0: Great. All right, it's already time for us to take a quick break. But when we come back, we ask Dan the big question. How can brands incentivize their target audience to share their information voluntarily? All that and more coming up on Resource Center. Stay tuned, BFM 89.9. Balanced Frank Medium, BFM 89.9. And we're back. You are listening to Resource Center. This is Audrey Raj. Online with me right now, I have Daniel Henriksen from Zacks Asia. And we've been discussing the new buzzword in marketing, zero-party data. Now, uh, Dan, you've kind of uh, talked us through what first-party data is, the difference with uh, zero-party data as well, how they should be complementary and how trust is really the key moving forward uh, into a cookie-less world, right? Can I ask now what success would look like uh, with zero-party data uh, or a combination of zero-party data and first-party data? Could you give us like a case yeah. study?
1: Yeah, I mean a case. I mean I think overall I think success is really when zero-party data isn't uh, no pun intended a zero-sum game. I think a lot of a lot of challenges that happens is if companies and cost, or companies become too opportunistic and it comes about let's just collect data for the sake of having a data advantage is where Uh, I think there is uh, kind of a slippery slope. I think it should be companies and customers should both benefit. And that's really back to the purpose-driven collection and use of data and also um, using that to uh, reduce marketing wastage as well as improve the lives of its customers, which I think ultimately is what the value exchange is about, um, and really create that win-win situation. Um, So I I still think that that is kind of... um, uh the 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 premise of 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 data and a data strategy and i think the now more so than ever for any brand and for every industry because uh, of how commerce is changing is that there are many opportunities of doing so Uh, we spoke about brands who have different levels of direct access to customers and consumers but all industries are going through uh, a lot of digital acceleration and transformation uh and it's also uh Industries that have typically been more brick and mortar are now seeing opportunities for direct-to-consumer uh, access and also using their supply chain uh, of collecting and for using data. And I think that will happen at a rapid rate. And I think Southeast Asia, where we are today, where more than 70% is now online, and we're all kind of also adopting new shopping behaviors and methods of pur- purchasing, um, there's ju- there's many touch points where you can kind of encourage that value exchange as well as incentivize customers and consumers to share that information uh, which comes back to the win-win situation Um, so I think that's still kind of uh, true today and I think that will continue to be important in the future uh, for brands and businesses to be aware of.
0: Now I understand that Zaxx's clients have already started seeing success with zero-party data Um, once again any case studies that you can share?
1: Yeah, I think one of the I know it's not, of course, um, like it's a devastating industry at the time with travel, but I think mm-hmm. travel has really been uh, kind of a, a great example of, of, of course, uh, having a direct access to customers, but also kind of having services and um and 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 products that have allowed for that uh, kind of uh, zero party data strategy to come to life, um, because of all the information that we give as travelers to to airlines is really what helps them. Uh, kind of inform and customize services as well as advertising and communication. So I think uh, uh, kind of travel and airlines you know, have been a good kind of industry for also for Saxis and I think for, for, many, uh, for many partners in this space where they've really seen first-party data and zero-party data come to life to uh, deliver better value to customers, but also increase uh, value in exchange of their media investments and reduce marketing waste. Um, so that's that's one example I would highlight. Mm.
0: So um, just as we were getting into the break, I said that I would pose that big question to you. And that is, how can brands incentivize consumers or their target audience to share their information uh, with them voluntarily? Um, are there strategies in order to make this happen?
1: Yeah, there is strategy. I think the strategy is still defining the, the strategic objective uh, of, of of wanting customers and consumers to share the data. So I think that comes back to kind of our earlier discussion on there needs to be a convenience or exchange of value for them to share that data. And then also uh, in terms of what can you then offer or, or provide an additional value for people who, who, who do so in terms of their deals that are coupons. And there's also uh, kind of other incentivized programs that can happen when, when a data sharing occurs and also kind of encourage and incentivize them to sign up for kind of both uh, loyalty programs as well as other type of um, uh, more more long-term uh, communication uh, programs with the brand that would also allow that in terms of what are some of the exclusive content you might get, uh, personalized recommendation, and also any kind of reward Uh, which comes back to also uh, airlines and travel again in terms of rewards programs. Like there is an incentive that will also encourage that share of data. And and as long as you feel as a consumer and customer that it gives you more value, you would definitely um, also still be committed to that and you have trust in that brand. So I think there is a variety of ways of doing so. And I think it all comes down to, do you as an individual get value from sharing the data? And then also, do you get rewarding brand and customer experiences from doing so Um, And I think that will continue to kind of uh, propel that cycle of you wanting to share more as long as you also get more value in return. Um, So I think that's that's still kind of the, the foundation of it.
0: Hmm. And what about trust, Dan? Um, because you mentioned how trust is really quite critical in order to, for that free flow of uh, information sharing between consumers and brands, right? So, how do you build trust uh, with the brand? Or how can a brand help consumers build trust with them?
1: Well, I, I don't, we're talking about data today, but I think when we talk about business and customer relationships, I think trust has always been paramount. Um, I don't think that that has changed. I think it comes back to kind of the responsibility and also um, the, um, the trust that a consumer-customer would have about the credibility as well as the integrity of your brand. Mm. So I think as a customer-consumer, we look at a brand and I think we look at many different things than just data sharing, like how is your brand perceived? How do you behave? How do you act? Uh, what is your integrity? And of course, what is your kind of culture or um, uh, what is your corporate responsibility And all these different things, I think, this means of building trust. And then for data specifically, it's, of course, about data protection, not breaching the trust by sharing the data without consent and using the data without consent. And I think, especially today, it's not just word to mouth anymore. So if you breach the trust with one consumer, all of a sudden, it can be in the eyes of uh, millions of consumers and customers on digital platforms. So your brand reputation is, of course, paramount as well. And of course, you have to manage that across many more touch points where customers and consumers can connect with you. So I think it comes back to that and trust is paramount uh, to be able to to kind of uh, have that as a foundation uh, with customer relationships in general.
0: All right. Now, Dan, before I let you go, if brands had one takeaway from this conversation, what would that be? Um, How do they create trust among consumers to facilitate the sharing of zero-party data?
1: Yeah, I I would think I'll leave everyone with it define it starts with kind of defining the strategic goal and prioritizing what data that the brand wants to collect and what is the purpose that you have in mind and then in terms of just reiterating there's no point in just collecting data for the sake of collecting and having more data uh, it doesn't provide any value so it needs to be guided by value and all ultimately back to the consumer and the customer and that we create that uh, that great uh Um, cycle of of them sharing more, you can deliver more value, and then you can grow your business, you can improve your services, and you can improve your products. And then I think more so uh, today, just having a full understanding of your consumers and when your customer touch points, and then looking at your data strategy as a means to figuring out what data could potentially be collected across all these different touch points. How can they be stored and collected compliantly? And how can I give opportunities to brands and customers also to share data if they choose to do so? And then how do I use that also to kind of improve uh, and, and deliver better services back to them, which ultimately will bring back value to the business as well as the customer? Uh, and I think that's really uh, kind of responsible marketing and responsible use of data that, that we all should be mindful of also as business owners and company owners.
0: Right. Uh, And on that note, Dan, if if our listeners out there are keen to learn more about zero-party data or maybe even uh, the kind of services that Zasis Asia provides, is there a website that we can point them to?
1: Yes, of course. Uh, we have uh, uh, saxis.com um, and there's a lot of information around data as well as our AI optimization solutions. And also, I think when it comes to learning more about data and technology, uh, it's a widely debated topic. There are many industry articles and POVs on it. And I think I would encourage everyone to start being curious about data technology. Speak to friends, speak to colleagues, speak to uh, partners uh, such as Saxis and really just start learning. And then applying because it's it's ever changing, and what you know today might might be different tomorrow. Um, but there's a lot of information out there, and a lot of partners that want to help. If so, if you just reach out for a conversation.
0: All right, thanks for taking the time to speak with us, Dan. Thanks, Audrey. I've been speaking with Daniel Henriksen, Head of Outcome Media Planning for Zaxis Asia. And if you missed out on any part of this show, you can go look for the podcast on our website. That's bfm.my. You can also find all our podcasts on the BFM app available on the Apple App Store and on Google Play. I'll be back again same time next week for more on Resource Center. But till then, this is Audrey Raj for Enterprise BFM 89.9.